as we get more conviction in this moment together, something very interesting starts to happen. As you get conviction, you start to get more passionate, you get more curious, and then all of a sudden, information and things are on your side, and you can have that hard conversation with your CMO, a CEO, and a private equity, an SVP, whoever the heck it is, and guess what they're doing right now? They're listening for the first time ever. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Week after week on Ultimate Guide to Partner, leaders in this industry come to this platform to help you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. Last year, podcast guest and good friend Jay McBain coined this the decade of the ecosystem, and he created a movement. On this episode, we interview a partner hacker at the center of the maelstrom to get more early stage tech organizations to embrace and achieve their greatest results through successful partners and ecosystems. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Jared Fuller the founder of Partner Hacker, and the producer and host of the Partnered Up podcast. I asked Jared to join because we share this passion around partnering and helping transform organizations through successful approaches to ecosystems and partner-led growth. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed welcoming Jared Fuller. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. I'm so excited to have them on board. Jared, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Vince, great to be here. I am so excited to welcome you to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're a technology entrepreneur, advisor, host of the Partnered Up podcast, and you recently launched a media company, Partner Hacker, that's been getting quite a bit of buzz in the industry and watering holes that we all care about. So I'm really excited to have you here today. Absolutely. I think I would be lying if I didn't say that this show had been somewhat inspirational to me, a few episodes in particular, of really convincing me to have the conviction of what Jay's talked about, the era of partner ecosystems, but I've been referring to it as the partnerships moment and somewhat trying to generate a movement. So thank you for the show. It's great to be here on the other side versus listening in. We have such a shared passion around this topic, right? And we're going to talk about your manifesto, but I've been around partners for a long time. I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And I came out two years ago too, and I was really frustrated with the lack of progress that I had seen. But we're both part of this movement. I love the work that you're doing. I think it's sincere. I think it's sustainable. This whole conversation around partnerships, ecosystems, Jay has been a guest. He's going to be on for the fifth time, in fact. 
And uh, recently had Alan Adler and Adam Mulkowski as guests. And I was hoping we could dig deep into this conversation, right? We're in the decade of the ecosystems, as Jay has coined it, and this seismic transformation toward partnering. But for our listeners that don't know you, Jared, can you tell them and us about you? Sure thing. Well, I grew up on the Navajo Indian Reservation in New Mexico, lived there for about 20 years. I started my first business when I was 16, which was a, a newspaper company. So fast forward 16 plus years later, I'm doing somewhat of the same thing again, ironically. Wow. I grew that to about 60,000 in distribution. And I grew up like really in the desert, very different world. So dirt bikes and getting into trouble, lots of trouble because it's the middle of nowhere. There's <laughs> not much else to do other than to get into trouble. I'm not sure my parents ever saw a real report card. So I got really handy with computers real quick. Photoshop in the late 90s, early 2000s was my best friend. I got lucky and went to a community college where some good folks were. Honest goodness, I don't remember a single thing about high school, single class, anything, literally nothing other than the fun stuff. And I had this philosophy professor that really pushed me the right way when I went to community college, which was like 300 bucks a semester. I mean, yeah. super cheap because I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea. And he had me read Plato's Republic, which is like 16 pages, roughly. It's yeah. like a short story of in terms of Plato's reading. And I think I read that in the same day, Vince, like 10 plus times. Because I read it the first time thinking I was smart. And I was like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. <laughs> I don't have a clue. I'm an idiot. Oh my gosh, I am really dumb. <laughs> and the reason why I'm telling that story is that's where I fell in love with first principles. The difference between Aristotelian thinking and platonic thinking is the difference between a priori or posteriori reasoning. And I'm not smart enough to remember a thousand things, but I can do the same 10 things a thousand ways. And that's what I really fell in love with was philosophy and then economics and, and then really understanding the way that the world works and that there are some first principles that just really apply that you can use hundreds of times. And then I figured out, wow, that's how businesses are built. I can't tell everyone to do a thousand things. So I've hired hundreds of people in hyper growth tech companies. So I was a head of sales and partner at PandaDoc and built some great partnerships and alliances there. First of their kind. Then I led global partnerships for Drift, built that from zero to another unicorn and became Adobe's partner of the year from zero relationship the year prior, the number one partner for Marketo globally. So I've, I've had some good partner runs, but it all anchors back to that story of falling in love with learning in understanding what's actually true. Not the snake oil salesman, not the, hey, look at this model of how everything's going to work out. But no, what are the real things that move and change and shape the world? And over time, partnerships has always been a part of my story, ironically, from my very first stuff to today. But in the past year, some stuff has really began to change to codify that there is an emergence of a new system a new way that businesses interoperate that hadn't existed before. I'm really excited for that moment and to really dive deep into the kind of systems thinking side of what is emerging right now that is going to fundamentally change marketing and sales and customer success and product in a way that my counterparts in marketing, sales, CS product haven't thought about themselves. Yeah, We can argue the thousand things, but what if there's this shift that makes those thousand other things irrelevant? That's why I'm here. I love what you had to say. First of all, this passion around this change that we're all seeing, this time of rapid transformation. First principles, I want it simplified for me. Like one of my favorite books is The Seven Habits by Stephen Covey because it simplifies life to me. Like it simplifies business relationships and even 
human relationships in many respects. And then this last year, I want to dive in a little bit more on this. So how did you move from where you were a year ago to now launching a media company? Like what compelled that? Like what created the spark to go that way? Let me tell you how far this has come. So I built PandaDoc from to about 15,000 customers, a handful to 15,000 from a handful of employees to hundreds. So that really early stage stuff where everything's chaotic and crazy. Prior to that, I was a CEO. I was CEO of JobHive, which was backed by Foundry Group. I'd founded my own marketing agencies. I've had nonprofits. I've had a bunch of businesses and then some in the startup graveyard that shall not be named. There's no tombstones for them, thankfully. (laughs) And then after the PandaDoc partnership and run, I built this incredible partnership with HubSpot and I actually got HubSpot to do their first ever venture investment. So I was really tight with the HubSpot executive team. And I heard the story of David Cancel and Elias Torres. They sold their company Performable to HubSpot. And I heard the story from Brian Halligan, the CEO of HubSpot, on how he hired David Cancel and David fired the entire engineering team. Interesting. And I was like, wait a second, what the heck? Who's that guy? And he's like, no, no, no. David said to me, your engineers won't talk to customers. They must be removed, not managed. And I was like, wow, that sounds like an incredible person. And then so Drift started to take off and I was going to go start my next company. Fortune had it that DC and I connected. That led me on a three and a half year run to lead partnerships for him because they were already Sequoia backed. So they'd raised their Series A, got their B in, already had some good sales leadership in and they hadn't had any formal partnerships. So DC asked me to lead it. And I'm like, gosh, Brian Halligan, who's my favorite entrepreneur in the world, said this guy's the best entrepreneur in the world. Sequoia just backed him. Okay, I'll go lead partnerships. I never built it that big, but let's go. Well, when I told my wife, Vince, that I was going to go join Drift as head of partnerships, she said, you're going to go be a head of partnerships? It wasn't met with enthusiasm. It was thought as a step back, even by my own spouse, going from sales to partner. I'm like, well, no, I did partnerships too at PandaDoc. It was just under sales. She's like, yeah, but you're kind of taking a step back. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm going to learn. Like, this is the best company. So during that process, I kind of had this crisis where I'm like, am I becoming the partner person? Because then all of a sudden, I started doing dozens of calls a month. Because in the VC world, it's really hard to build partner programs from zero to a hundred million. Like that's the hardest phase, especially when the, the executive team, they aren't on board or they don't know necessarily how to be good partners to you even, right? Yeah. And you don't have a playbook either. What's the playbook for how to build go-to-market from zero to a hundred million? Well, it's all Jason Lemkin and Saster, marketing and that's sales. Right. That's right. Dialing for dollars, right? <laughs> right. Predictable revenue by Aaron Ross, right? Like, which I know those tactics and those stories and those people very well. I was Aaron Ross's first customer whenever he left Salesforce and started Predictable Revenue. I was on the homepage of Predictable Revenue. So like, I know cold outbound. I know brand media design, marketing, demand gen. I've done those things as well. But the partner function was always like this. I felt like I had a secret, like the secret that no one else had. And I happened to just stumble on it. And I'm like, I started giving lots of people help. And I was like, what if I'm going to be at this great company that's one of the fastest growing companies ever, then I should lean in and I need to learn from people that have actually done it before. So I started the podcast partner up almost two years ago, just as a cheat code for learning. So we're dozens and I think we're 60 plus 70 episodes in now because I just wanted to talk to people and extract any insight that I thought could be replicable. That was a first principle that wasn't a tactic, but was actually a strategy based on something that 
could be applied more universally. So that's kind of like the origin story of how that came to be. And then around the the end of the boom, so like Q4, mm-hmm. right, of 2021, you could just feel it. I was like, this is going to come crashing down bad. And there was just so many bellwethers that were just sounding the sirens that marketing and sales and go-to-market GTM as we know it was about to be appended. And I realized this partner thing, it might be very similar to the MarTech era 2012, when there was only 150 technology companies in marketing technology, it felt very similar. And all of a sudden, the podcast started tripling and tripling in downloads out of nowhere. So I made the decision that I was like, I'm going to do Partner Hacker just because it's... I wanted to do something with ecosystem events, but ecosystem is just such a hard word to brand. <laughs> Partner Hacker had a lot of uh, really great sister companies, Indie Hackers, Sales Hacker. Like You just remember it, and that's the main reason I went with it. So I made the decision right at the turn of the year that I was going to turn it into a media company. Some good friends of ours, so like Avinish Sahai, who's on the board of HubSpot, Jay McBain, Jill Rowley, a bunch of friends said, Jared, you got to do it. It's a horrible idea, but you got to do it. So here I am. We're sitting in June and we have a full company, a profitable company, five employees. We got thousands and thousands of people that are on the site every week and they come back. 70% of the people that come to Partner Hacker come back again and again, which I hear that's pretty good. That is very good. So how do you describe yourself? Is it a media company? Is it a technology company? Is it a consulting firm? How do you describe it? I think we're here to make everybody else famous. It's not about us. It's about covering this shift. And we're going to cover that shift through whatever medium is most relevant and important. So we do some news and we've covered some cool stories that have actually got a bunch of traction. I mentioned Bellwethers Vince that made me convinced of this partnerships moment. In the past three weeks, we've covered stories on Andreessen Horowitz, OpenView Venture Partners, and Bessemer Venture Partners. These are three of the top 10 venture capital for B2B SaaS in the world. They've all come out and said, partner-led growth is now table stakes from day one. I love it. That Andreessen Horowitz would rather back a company that had 2x growth and 50% partner pipeline contribution than they would back a company that's 3x growth with 100% direct because it's not sustainable, right? It's not resilient. Things can happen to that company and poof, gone, bye. And then Bessemer State of Cloud Reports, a staple of the tech industry. I mean, they had five key takeaways and predictions for this year. The first two were both partner. This is not normal. This is, this is, is like a normal. changing tide. So we cover those things and then we publish some original content. We have some staff writers. I write a little bit. Isaac, my co-founder, he's probably one of the best writers ever. Watch out B2B world. If you don't know Isaac Morehouse, you're about to. He's written 10 books, 2,500 blog posts. Wow. He's been on probably a thousand podcasts. He is the master of content. And since the site's been live in the past two and a half months, Vince, I think we have about 350 to 400 pieces of content in that time. That's astounding. So that's who we are. We're we're a media company first. We do events. We do, again, we just make every, we're covering the moment and we're in people's inboxes every day. So we have Partner Hacker Daily. It's a daily email about partnerships. Delightfully simple. Get your PhD is the acronym. A little bit day by day. And it has for thousands of members, this thing still has a 55 to 65% open rate every day. Those are really good results. So yeah, we're focusing on what we're good at, which is content. We do a little bit of stuff off kilter here or there, some services or help some people out when they need it. But mainly we're here to uh, cover the stories that are making this moment real and then fun. I love what you're doing. I want to talk about this ecosystem. We, we had Alan talk about 
go-to ecosystems. We talk about the decade of the ecosystems with Jay and others. But are we really fundamentally we're just talking about partnerships, right? We're talking about partnerships, but I want to I want you to drive further into this because you recently wrote a manifesto. In fact, I think you launched with a manifesto. Yep. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that today. Definitely. So I've had this narrative for about a year. I tend to say, like I said at the beginning of the show, I tend to say the same things over and over again. Why? Because the best speakers you've ever heard, if you go watch their speech again, you're like, wait, I've already heard that. But the point is, is that if it's that good, it needs to be remembered. We live in this world where everything's in and out of our brains so quickly. We have information, fast food, and we don't digest it. Anytime that I really want to speak on something, I, I tend to learn out loud, but then as I get conviction and more proof and data, I'll really put something big out. That's what led to the Partner Hacker Manifesto and kind of like our tagline in the name of this post, which is trust is the new data. So maybe I can tell you, take you back to 2006 really quickly. Sure. That was my high school graduation year. And Clive Humby, just a humble a British mathematician, claimed that data was the new oil. And he was right. I mean, look at the next 15, 16 years, right? There was literally 100,000 plus technology companies created. Our lives fundamentally transformed. We're so addicted to our phones that Apple pushes us, hey, here's how much you've been on your phone this week. Exactly. Like this is this pervasive, very pervasive. And I started to recognize how the pandemic was breaking B2B badly. I've said this a hundred times that I love that Deloitte did it in 2021 and they republished it in 2022. The average American gets 400 to 10,000 advertisements per day. Yeah. Please tell me how you were going to buy my attention when I'm not a beneficiary of that. You can't buy my attention. It's impossible. Since I've been on this podcast, I'm scared to even look at my phone. Okay. There's like 16 notifications. <laughs> scared to pull up Slack. There is no more signal. We're lost in a sea of noise. And as a result of that, what happens? Well, I can tell you, if you tried to use Google as a consumer lately, it's just full of listicles. Absolutely. The same type of regurgitated content that actually isn't the answer, but it's designed to give you just enough to go buy their product that may or may not solve your problem when all you really needed was a sentence or two. If you've been to a review site lately, isn't it interesting Remember this number, 4.7. The top three to five products in every single category all have 4.7 stars. Why? Because review sites are, you can pay to remove and you can juice it and you can incentivize people. Everyone's playing the same game now because ads are too expensive. Facebook lost 270 billion in market cap. 50% of the supply side of ads are gone yep. by this time next year, 50% gone. And yet the demand has a thousand percent increase. Where's this going to go? Our behavior is changing right before our eyes. That's why communities are so important right now, because it's so hard to even get business information. We're defaulting to our peers and our partners. Data was the new oil. But this, here's the thing about data. It's a pollutant as well. I'm not saying data is bad. It needs to go away, but it's no longer the signal. It's now a commodity. It's a source. Yeah, it's, it's not annoying, renewable. As you said. Yeah. And the thing about ecosystems, kind of bringing it all together, eco is just another emergence of system. Eco is the root of ecology, and it implies a biological organism. Here's the difference between a system and an ecosystem. A system is closed, an ecosystem is open. What does that mean? Okay, so when you go to your toaster, that's a machine. You put in bread, there is only one way that toaster works, right? It's, there's one path to the destination. An open system is there is an innumerate path, a number of paths to the destination. That's biology. That's ecology. 
So go to market is like a toaster. It's a machine. It's really fun for us humans to think that we control the world like a machine because we use machines every day. They're wonderful. They're simple. You do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you get it. And that's the way the B2B was built. A flow through funnel financial model where you put in the inputs and look, you're a billion dollar company. You're a $10 billion company. You're a hundred billion dollar company. Just follow the model. Well, the world doesn't work that way. I was going to say that was where I talked about the dialing for dollars, right? The traditional marketing, all the money being spent for demand generation, all the sellers on the phones dialing for dollars. And we actually listen to those people. Like you don't pick up a phone call anymore, do you? I haven't picked up a phone call in years, years. I mean, people that want to sell to me get to me through people I know. It's really that simple. That's how I do it. I mean, that's how I've sold every deal I've ever done. Like any big seven-figure deal or alliance or anything. That's right. I find the people that I need to know and I develop a relationship with them. I get to know them. How can I help them? How do I become so important to them that they have to help me? So Exactly. The five seats at the table as Jay likes to refer to it as, right? Totally. Totally. The thing about the direct model is it's a source. It's not a resource. A source is something that you can take, but you never get anything back out of it. You might get the one dimensional outcome, whereas a resource is something that renews and can build into itself. And the difference between go to market and this ecosystem component, Alan likes to call it go to ecosystem. I, I still have, I was, Alan doesn't like telling this story. So here's a fun one. I was in San Francisco with Alan together when he, we were debating back and forth and he wanted to brand go to ecosystem. And I actually disagreed because I think of it the opposite way. I want to build in market back to me. I don't like the concept of treating it like a machine. Go to market means one path, unidimensional. Building in market is almost like nodes. It's like an ecosystem. It's like ecology. There's too many things happening in a numerate number of ways to reach the final destination. An ecosystem is inherently defined by the concept of equifinality, which means, again, there's this great Friedrich Hayek quote, he's a Nobel Prize winning economist. And I think business planners, the, the spreadsheet junkies that think that they can finance their way to the next big hit, it's the same as the economists that have been pretty much wrong about everything. No, inflation's not bad. Everything's great. No, well, if you've been paying attention to the markets, not so much so. <laughs> not well, a good week. Yeah. He said, he said this fantastic quote. The curious task of economics is to demonstrate to us how little we know about what we imagine we can design. How humbling. Very humbling. Very humbling. And, and that's the world of ecosystems that we're coming into. You can't centrally plan them. You're talking in, it's a whole new way of thinking. That's the difference to me between partnerships and ecosystems. The partnerships is an in-between phase that's a component of ecosystems. Partnerships originated out of channel which was a, again, a machine, right? A funnel. Partners kind of in between, it bleeds over. I love partnerships. I think it's core. But here's my definition of ecosystems that I wrote in that manifesto, is that partnerships are the combination of not just the accounts, but also the community, the people, the individuals. It's bigger. So you can't have a partnership with an individual, right? That's just might have a different job the day, next day, the next day, the day after, right? And to me, ecosystem brings these things together where it's everything, not just the partner accounts. So like a B2B ecosystem, it consists of all the networked accounts and contacts linked to the commerce and information that they share, right? So those are the two things, right? If you're in business, you're sharing information or there's some money. 
And same thing with the individuals. So those, it manifests in the form of these partners, which are again, the accounts and the communities who are the individuals that are directly or indirectly benefiting the end customer of that parent. I'm so excited to welcome Athletic Greens as the latest sponsor to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, has become my go-to green drink supplement. I take this literally every single day. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. It literally has replaced every vitamin in my cabinet. If you'd like to give AG1 a try, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. So let's land this. Here's the piece that I think people struggle with. I know you're, this event this week is basically F ecosystems. Tell us more about that. And also, like, how do we land that in our businesses? How did these tech organizations land it? So we got this great little event coming up. If you're listening to this during the week that the episode came out, ecosystemweek.com. We got well over a thousand people. So it's all online free, no, no gimmicks. And I've brought together with partner stack and partner hacker, some of my favorite people who've actually built ecosystems intentionally. Sometimes they happen unintentionally and then big money comes in in management and they try to orchestrate versus build. You might hear that phrase a lot, like you're building your go-to-market team versus orchestrating your ecosystem. Yeah. There's something to be said for that, right? An ecosystem is an emergent thing that's happening with us because of that interdependence and interoperability. And here's a principle that I'm not sure I've, I've heard, I've heard it written down this way, but I've been using it a lot. So if I stole it, I apologize. I'm sure it's based on someone much smarter than me. Systems that exchange change. By the very virtue of exchanging, the businesses, the entities themselves, they have to change. And as you add more partners and more community members and more individuals, the complexity continues to increase. So the problem is, is like, how do we do it? That's why we started this conversation with me talking about first principle events. There's no way you can design an ecosystem. It's impossible. It's absolutely. And let me give you a perfect example. I've used this one before. So you call me out. You tell me I'm full of it and I'm crazy. Let's just take ecology. We're marine biologists. We're going to a bay and we're going to go study some stuff down there. You happen to study a very particular species of shark. And I'm studying the ecology of that environment, aka that local ecosystem, right? The exchange of water and heat and weather, microorganisms, different types, right? So plants, fish, mammals, wildlife, you name it. We can both study that that same bay, that one little square mile of place for our entire lives. And I'll never understand everything there is to know because why. The second I step foot into the water and I put my a glass and I pick it up and it's full of water, there's as many microorganisms in that glass of water as there are humans on the planet. 
And you have micro ecosystems, right? You have micro, that's your point. These are many ecosystems within an ecosystem. Absolutely. They all interoperate and interdependent. And then here's the thing too. So Vince, you might be studying that shark species. You'll study that one shark species and you'll never understand everything there is to know about that shark species, period, full stop. And what do I see happening right now? I see people looking at the world with this partner ecosystem conversation and they're thinking of it like the shark. It's like, look, we've been studying sales for long enough, right? That's the shark. Like we get it. Like there are some basic stuff there, but you can continue to study it your entire life. You're never going to know everything there is to know about sales. You're never going to know everything there is to know about that local ecosystem. But here's what you can do. You can start to understand some of those concepts that govern what happened. There are these universal principles that apply to what we do. That's just a whole new way of thinking that is not the business plan forward. And it's a, it's an emergent new way of kind of approaching the world that I truly believe is going to fundamentally change how businesses are built. So we're living in this time of rapid change and transformation, right? We just talked about where we've now settled into a roller coaster ride, right? With our economy and interest rates and the markets. How do you apply this ecosystem concept and how? I think about the term agility, right? Because it's going to continually change and evolve. Are you thinking the same way here? Agility, perhaps. I would say that the the components of the ecosystem, so the individual actors tend to have more agility than the ecosystem parent, if you will. I would actually frame it from the concept of adaptability and resiliency. In an ecological system, the greater the diversity, the greater the resistance there is to some danger, threat, or disturbance. Right. And that's the same in any B2B ways. So like there's less danger for the company, the customer, the partner, the community, market disturbance or other unforeseen black swan you new know, disruptive events. There might have been a handful of those in the past couple of years. And what ends up happening is that instead of using stuff, things are conserved. They're actually much more efficient, much more efficient. So in an ecological system, you typically have energy and matter that are conserved, right? You're using less sources from nature and things expend less energy trying to acquire them. That's a better ecosystem. Objectively, the more resource intensive or source intensive an ecological system, the less stable it is. The more efficient, the better off it is. So in B2B ecosystems, what are those two analogs? Well, isn't that an interesting question? Like what I did is I actually sat down for like a month and a half, two months, and I just reverse engineered what defines a good ecosystem in ecology? And I just mapped business terms to it and it's in the manifesto. And it's probably as clear. I've asked lots of people. I'm like, give me something better. Tell me where I'm wrong. Hit me. It's pretty close. So in what B2B is, ecosystems, yeah. cost and time is conserved. And then here's the other thing. What flows through the system? Well, information flows through the system. And it's typically information that flows from what? Influence to commerce while trust is recycled, preserved, and grown. Because if you don't have trust, you lose cost and time. That's what makes the entire system work. Yeah. You refer to trust as the data. I refer to the new data. I refer to it as the oxygen, right? Because without trust, you don't have partnerships. You don't have ecosystems. I'm being more antagonistic with the trust as the new data tag. <laughs> that's, that's more to be like, if you think you're building companies based on more customer data, more automation, more stuff like that, yeah. That's the old world. This is the new world. So we both care about this topic, obviously. And I've been coming at the channel and ecosystem discussion 
from the tech giants. I spent about a decade at Microsoft, which by the way, Microsoft, Salesforce, they've been building out ecosystems for quite some time. Arguably, one might be better than the other. But it might be helpful for our listeners to learn where you focus. It's in that company formation stage, the disruption, the early adopters, the 100 companies where 95 of them are going to fail, right? Like it's not a stable environment. These are emergent, disruptive things happening all around. And so it's the intersection of innovation in tech and uh, and business because I've always been more of a consumer marketer. That's kind of like my background from my agency side and a brand marketer. And what's so interesting is how every lesson we've had in B2B is like, oh, B2B is always downstream of consumer, right? Something goes big in consumer and then it takes over B2B. And it's like, well, what a surprise. The most effective form of consumer advertising right now is still influencer marketing. Yep. Right. But the, the difference is, is that influencer marketing is, is losing the phrase influencer. And it really is just becoming kind of the people and it's the people you follow. And, and then the they're building their trust. own brands. Yeah. They're building their own shows and they're owning their own audience. And that's kind of like what's happening here as well. What I feel like I had this conversation with Alan on, on the podcast and I feel like it's easier. Now I'm, I'm simplifying here, right? It's easier to go into a startup organization and certainly the venture capital community, especially that they're backing this and say, we need to take basically a white, white sheet of paper and we can draw out this new design with a chief ecosystem officer and an organization that's structured differently. But I find that it's difficult in organizations that are already established, right? That are already, they're past series C and maybe above, and maybe they've gone public or they have some other strategy and try to re-engineer it there. What do you think? I think that anyone that thinks they know the answer to that question is probably a little bit off. I'll tell you a quick story. Pete Caputa, he was employee number 16, I believe, at HubSpot. Yep. So in the first 20 employees... Brian Halligan and Darmesh Shah did not set out to create a partner business, an agency business, or an ecosystem. But Pete Caputa did something that he shouldn't have done, and he was selling to marketing agencies against Brian Halligan. Brian Halligan said, Pete, you can't sell to these marketing agencies anymore. They're turning too bad, and they're hurting our business. And uh, Pete was able to skirt around that with his uh, kind of legendary manager, Dan Tyre of HubSpot fame, and uh, kind of go under the radar for a couple months and was able to get a couple agencies successful. And then he like doubled his quota two months in a row. But I tell you that story because what if Pete didn't work there? He built an amazing ecosystem, right? I mean, he was, I mean, he changed thousands of agencies. Yeah. He's renowned. I mean, if you really think about it, every marketing agency is really a tech services agency. Now down market, it really is true. You're dealing with dozens of technology companies. Guess what happened overnight? No one's talking about this. We're going to talk about this a lot more. Every marketing agency is now de facto a partnerships agency. Marketing agencies don't do their own marketing and sales. It's 100% based on referrals. I'd they say never the have. same thing about accounting or organizations as well. They're becoming tech organizations. 100%. So I think there's companies that change later on. There's companies that emerge that way. I'm tracking a bunch of companies right now that are 100% partner-led, Vince, from, from the get-go. They're pretty innovative. I've built a couple of companies partner-led. I think it's much easier said than done, but any great business is much easier said than done. It's hard no matter which way you slice it. Here's the difference. Do you want to build a company right now by pushing a rock up the hill or with the wind at your sail? The tides are shifting, the winds are blowing, and the old model for building a B2B SaaS company is not getting any easier. It's getting increasingly harder. Whereas 
the information about how to build partner-led and how to build ecosystems or go attach yourself to another ecosystem so you can work on your own, right? I'm democratizing that. We're all democratizing that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for, I mean, I have some big, bold predictions for the rest of this, uh, the next eight years. I think that the the leading companies that are created in the next eight years will be built by former partner leaders because they have an understanding of how to interoperate between product marketing, sales, and customer success. And I think some of the biggest companies that fail to adapt and make that change to an ecosystem model will be disrupted by those very same people that I'm talking about. I'm aware of a bunch of companies and capital and smart people that are going after it. And uh, the ones that are sitting in their ivory towers thinking that they can continue to design something smart in their spreadsheet, I can tell you there's a whole new wave of thinking and ways to market that they've never even considered. And here's the reality. We've considered everything that they've considered. That's the difference. The difference is is this is a whole new way and it's peeling a whole bunch of new knowledge and strategy and tactics. But what else is there new to learn about go-to-market? It's the same stuff. It's the same sales and marketing debate. Agreed. It's why this next eight years is going to be so exciting. As you're discussing this, I'm still seeing those CMOs and those CROs and those CFOs that have only been trained one way. And it is hard to make that change. But I I do believe by them being unseated by these new organizations that you discuss and reference, that their success will make others stand up and note. A hundred percent, Vince. And that's the note that I think is a perfect one to to leave on is kind of my clarion call is as we get more conviction in this moment together, something very interesting starts to happen. As you get conviction, you start to get more passionate, you get more curious. And then all of a sudden information and things are on your side and you can have that hard conversation with your CMO, a CEO and a private equity and SVP, whoever the heck it is. And guess what they're doing right now? They're listening for the first time ever. And I think that's such an incredible, incredible place to be because if I could take you back to 2012 and give you this exact same dynamic and you were aware of that dynamic, you'd be silly to not capture the moment. You'd be absolutely silly. So come come hop in. Everyone uh, listen to this is obviously the crazies. You know, we're already here. So I am so in with you. I have been doing this for a long time and fighting those CROs, CMOs, (laughs) CFOs along the way saying, this is how you drive success, right? And I've done it before. So I am so glad to be at the party with you. I'm so excited for what we're going to go do together. A hundred percent. So any closing comments for our listeners on achieving their greatest results through building successful and effective and sustainable ecosystems. Well, if you were listening to me on this podcast and you made it all the way to the end, this is me. If you meet me in real life, this isn't a face. This isn't fake. The people that work around me, this is who I am. So I'll leave you with this. If you're in the partnership space, remember that old saying, people don't care how much until they know how much you care. The secret to me in business and in life is that passion never fails. So if you actually think that there's something here that can change the world, which I do, I think it's fundamentally going to, like, we have to make business more efficient. Look at what's happening in the world right now, right? We have to create a more sustainable future where we can all win together. That's why the mission of Partner Hacker is to create a world where everyone can win together. Like, whoa, I thought we were talking about channel partnerships. No, I think it's much bigger than that. I can't fake that. And uh, I think that's what affords me a lot of opportunity, Vince. And so I would encourage the audience to whatever you can lean into where you can be your genuine self, that's the biggest accelerant in the world because you bring the energy, you have the passion, and you can't fake it. People can smell that stuff out immediately. I love your authenticity. I love your heart. 
And I love your passion for this, Jared. And I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time and sharing with our listeners today. Absolutely. Great to be here, Vince. So great. And looking forward to the next eight years with you. Absolutely. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzione on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.